When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. This film is seeking to humanize her, to humanize Mamie, and the acts that she makes to humanize her son. And that is a joyful endeavor. Because joy doesn't always look like, hey, like like we have this falsehood that that we're seeking joy and joy looks like pleasure and joy looks like happy and like, like that's not that's not holy it it's about doing the thing that it's our will what's the true will that you're seeking i'm clayton davis on this episode of the award-winning variety award circuit podcast we talked to danielle deadweiler about her oscar buzz surrounding her performance in till her inspirations and her approach to take on such a difficult role and what's up for her next later we chat with actor Michael Ward about his performance in Sam Mendes' Empire of Light. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. After finding an apartment in Los Angeles, Danielle Deadweiler utilized her teenage son and taped her audition scene for Till. The scene shows Mamie and Emmett's final interaction in their home before being sent off to suffer an unspeakable fate and one that every parent of a black child fears. When you get down oh, there... not again, Mama. I've already been in Mississippi. Only one time before, and you started a fight with another little boy. He was picking on me. You're in the right to stand up for yourself, but that's not what I'm talking about. They have a different set of rules for Negroes down there. Are you listening? Yes. You have to be extra careful with white people. You can't risk looking at them the wrong way. I know. Bo, be small down there. Emmett Till's brutal murder in 1955 shocked the nation and galvanized the civil rights movement. And Till, written by Michael Riley, Keith Beauchamp, and Shinoya Chuku, personalizes that story by focusing on Mamie and her emotional journey. Directed by Chuku, Till also stars Jalen Hall, Sean Patrick Thomas, Frankie Fajon, Haley Bennett, and John Douglas Thompson. There's something unforgettable about the depth of pain and resolve that Deadweiler exhumes in Till. It's an Oscar-worthy achievement. Deadweiler is calculated and precise about when she chooses to go big in a moment, aware of the volcanic eruption she can unleash, but can also keep that power simmering beneath the surface. At a key moment of grief, only her lip quivers, showing both her fortitude 
and her barely controlled anguish. I recently spoke with Deadweiler, and we began by talking about the movie that first inspired her. See, that's difficult because I like people always want to ask, do you have a preference between film and TV? Do you have a preference between theater, film and TV? And there is no preference. It's all rooted in the same thing. Mm. And so it's all rooted from theater for me. And so theater is the thing. But if I have to locate a film, I don't have one. But I'll tell you what what did do me hard. The Lord of the Rings part one. Part one. Gollum. Andy Serkis is the man. So so you're saying you need to work with Andy Serkis? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Has Gollum or just as We we can we can do that. (laughs) Do you want the film about Gollum? Do you want the film about Gollum and his cousin? I'm here for it. I'm I'm deeply available. This would be so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Spitting my 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 thing out. Schmeaker Schmizer doesn't want a cousin to come to her. Yeah, I'm with it. Let's do it. <laughs> Man, we just got you a job. I need you. I need you Making to make a way for myself. Yes, I need. I need you to cite this moment. <laughs> I need you to cite this moment. If you win an Oscar for go- for this Gollum movie, I swear to God, if I don't hear my name, I'm no, gonna be I'm upset. No, I would not disrespect you like that. Right, I'll be very upset because it was right here. You. But it. I think about. I no real talk. I think about it because. I mean, there's a vocality and a physicality to mm. that role. Yeah. And I'm immediately attracted to things like that because my first medium was dance. Yeah. And so, you know, as a child, I'm, you know, dancing to uh, Soul Train, my mother says, and that was her way uh, of being, you know, cognizant of her child and listening to her actions and saying, I need to do this for her. So I'm three, four years old. She puts me in dance and I'm just in dance for the rest of my life in a, in a, in a way. And um, I think I'm like six, seven, and I um, do, you know, the segue to theater naturally happens. And then I'm playing a role in one of the dance kind of fusion performances, dance theater, rather. And I play uh, one of the little girls um, who was killed in uh, the the church bombing, four little girls. Yeah. So that's one of my like earliest memories of doing roles right uh, uh, that kind of historical um load being on t- you know onto my psyche <laughs> it's kind um, of a thing <laughs> apparently so looking now at this role of Mamie Till which is the gargantuan weight of this role and I love that we are in person how fun you are <laughs> in in person because it is sit with you in this film is heartbreaking and this you speak to strength but you also speak to tragedy Mm -hmm. um can you talk about that pressure of taking this on yeah yeah what you felt it's the biggest it was it it was the the one you man i'm gonna walk away from this Mm -hmm. i'm going to take a moment um it's not a saying a no it's never a Oh, uh, I wasn't going to do it. It's a, you want to do it responsibly. Mm-hmm. And so I, <laughs> I was here, I was in LA 
I was working on from scratch or about to start working on from scratch. Mm. And so the the script came in and I was like, whoa, give me a minute. Looking for an apartment. <laughs> can't I can't look for an apartment and read till. It's just it's not working. So I, I, I slow read it. I did a third. I did another third. Do another third, finally finish it. And by that point, a week has passed. I got an apartment. Cool. And my reps were like, hey, Danielle, you can, um, they say you can, you can still submit an audition. You got until Monday. And I'm like, okay, I can do it. I hit one of the closets in the new room, in the apartment. I do two of the scenes, the, one of the courtroom scenes. There, that was the, the speech. The courtroom scene. The courtroom uh, Yeah, ooh, the courtroom okay. scene. And then I did the, one, like the closing speech. And I could do those on my own. I didn't need anyone. But then the third one is the one with uh, her and Emmett, Mamie and Emmett, rather, and sh- where she's putting the tie on and she's giving them the speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that, and I did that one with my son. And, you know, like wipe the brow, move forward, turn it in. Typical actor process of submitting an audition. And then Chinoya had the audacity <laughs> to ask for a director session. And the director session was for the funeral home scene. <clears throat> and I went in another closet <laughs> on the other hey. side of the an apartment. And my son was there that day. And I said, hey, man, I'm going to go in the closet. I'm going to do this callback. If you hear some noises, don't worry. Because we were just doing that. Yeah. She had sent me the pages from the memoir where Mamie details how she looked at the body and, and how she, you know, um, what she was con- um, thinking amidst, you know, that action. And the humanizing of him in that moment, the memories and whatnot. And so I'm going through the scene and after the fact, my mom, my sister came home and Ezra's, I mean, my son's just playing, you know, Fortnite, <laughs> living his life. And she comes in, my sister comes in and he goes, you know. Talk about complex roles, by the way, he, trying to figure out what Fortnite is and what you're supposed to do. In yeah. That what game. the hell is, <laughs> he was no, actually really good. He's like an editor and does, anyway. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to acknowledge that that is a game with a plot at all. <laughs> But go ahead. You would say he made a lot of international friends as a result of it. Thank that's, you. That's true. Um, but he, they, they, she comes in and and all of a sudden they hear a wail, mm-hmm. and they look at each other with this you know face face of shock and consternation, and he says, "Um, mommy said she was doing an audition. It's fine." And I come out at some point. I'm probably flustered looking, but I'm like, let's go to the grocery store. And what do we want to eat for dinner? What y'all doing? You know, like a move forward kind of thing. Um, And then they say, yeah, you know, they hit you up. They call you. It's a moment of joy. It's a very, very temporary moment of joy because then it's the responsibility that's tacked on top of that. Um, And, it, you know. And, and it hasn't relinquished itself from, you know, the holes because it's bigger than just making the movie. That's the one cocooned section of the experience. Um, then there's the sharing, which is the now. Right. Uh, there's also just the deep the deep dive into what it was to be in that space and time looking at it spiritually, academically, um, 
Uh, in all the ways, artistically, so we're diving into poetry and music and all of these things to, to, to build a well-rounded um, world. And, and you just take on the mother load. It's a weird experience. There is, uh, and you mentioned it because natural segue, <laughs> the whale right, right, that you right. describe. Right. Um, I, I talked well, about I, that with Shanoia before. I, 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 lo- I love actors, right? I believe that actors can do anything. However, mm. <laughs> however, there are very few times in movies where I hear the whale. Mm. And like it shakes me to my core. And I feel – I don't say like I'm not saying a person without children can't do the whale perfectly, <laughs> but when you have a child in real life, can I remember hearing? I remember identifying it for the first time in Rosamund Pike in Hostels. Mm-hmm. She does the whale, and I was like, Ugh, I feel like I felt it all over, and mm-hmm. I heard it here too. Mm-hmm. When you're doing that audition with your son, does he know who Emmett Till is? Does he have that understanding of who he? Was or was he just kind of helping mom out? A little bit of both. I'm like I hadn't. I mean, because I'm coming into it with a minimal uh, knowledge. I've just known about it all my life, and it's one of those things that's just stayed with me. Because mm-hmm. my mom was born in 1955. You can't, you know, let you don't. You have a parallel. You have a birth and a death mm-hmm. that are integral in your mind regarding this year and it's just a thing that I incessantly think about because the death of your mother is the most you know scariest thing as a kid and then it switched in this historical true understanding like it's a mind can I cuss fuck it's a mind fuck Um, and so um, yeah yeah Mm. So he he doesn't know he doesn't know a whole lot at yeah. the time. And, and I'm and I'm also with you. And this speaks, I think, to education in America of like you know we don't learn about Emmett Till in, mm-hmm. in, in school. People got to learn the most, right? Yeah, Specifically well, about Mamie. And and, and here's yeah. the thing, like you know, my, I feel like my whole platform has been speaking about diversity and and everything. Mm-hmm. And going into it, I was like, I felt familiar enough with Emmett Till that I was like, I feel like I'm gonna be able to follow and know what's coming next. Mm. When I say I gasped when I heard him whistle because mm-hmm. the myth, there's a mythos around mm-hmm, Emmett Till mm-hmm. that he didn't whistle. Mm-hmm. So when he whistles in the movie, I like, I, I couldn't believe that that's what was shown. Not that it matters, but it really like starts to undo. Mm-hmm. And then you see it, th- this whole thing takes place in a month's time. And I'm thinking like, maybe when I trial, like months and years later, yeah. no, it's like, in a month time, she lost her son, yeah. sort of fighting for justice and lost the case. Like, what did you, I guess, learn? What was there a myth that gets undone for you? What you thought you knew? I mean, that's one of them. I I, I understood that section, that that point, um, because she taught him to whistle because of the stutter. Um, that's a significant thing that people who stutter do. You mm. you whistle to regain a sense of control. Um, I didn't have any other myths that I necessarily mm-hmm. had associated with it. Yeah. You know, I'm coming into all of this knowledge. You know, I didn't know like it was there was a myth of um, that he he 
you know, the gruesome nature of, of what happened to the body, like certain stuff, like, like, like that's why she examined him in the way that she did. Um, so that she would, would dispel those things for herself. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that they were trying to put him in the body so quick. I mean, put his body in the ground so quickly. Yeah. Like, what? Like, all of these things were um, fresh to me uh, along the way. And so it's like, dispel what myth? What, what's the whole damn story? Yeah. Even the, <laughs> even the recanting of the testimony, that has right. been a rumor right, that's, that yeah. for so long that, that's a lie. that, that yeah. she recanted. Literally, for. we were talking about that the other day at one of our um, uh, Q&As um, in Chicago. It was like, you know, some people, and they talk about it like, I know. People are like, I know. And then, you, and then Keith uh, Beauchamp, who's one of our co-writers and producers, he, and he was men, um, a mentee to Mamie. He had to dispel the, the the myth, so you know. I just it's, I just think this is the opportunity to um, to show a truth, mm. to just reintroduce the truth. <laughs> that that is a better yeah. way to say it. Yeah. Tell me about preparation uh, for this I, again, because I I don't know. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna educate me here. Mm-hmm. Um, are any members of Mamie's family still alive? Very much. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, did you meet with any of them? And I didn't meet with anyone. I know other folks got to talk with people. Um, Jamie talked to Merle Evers. Uh, um, I did a lot of I, my conversation more so lingered with um, with Keith um, Beauchamp. I lived in Mamie's text. Mm-hmm. That was that was my Bible. At the end of the day, um, she gave so much. You know, she co-wrote it with um, Christopher Benson. It's Death of Innocence. Um, and then other texts like theses of the time that came from the the time that were specifically digging into uh, Mississippi, the culture of that space and what was happening before she got there, what was happening after, looking at it from more gendered and racialized uh, understanding. What else? Um some other texts that were digging into black resistance in Mississippi at the time um, that just dispelled a lot. Of, see, it's the dispelling of the myth of miss of the self of the South. That's like, that's the, the real trigger for me, you know, cause they make it seem like, but we weren't doing nothing like, like, like black folks just in the South, just accept, you know, any old kind of white supremacist behavior. And that's not true. And that's the beauty of the story of uh, Dr. Dr. Howard mm-hmm. and, and the journalists who were there, you know, Ruby Hurley, like those are fr- even more fresh understandings and undertakings. So all I'm coming in all this information and just, you know, keeping a lot, throwing a lot away because it's Mamie's POV. She doesn't know all of this. And just listening to the the music of the era and digging into the archival footage, they gave me a hell of a lot of mm. video and, and photography that um, that showed me what Chicago was in 1955. That showed me what Mount Bayou was. That showed me, you know, what Sumner was. And just allowed me to, like, you know, build a world around me. Yeah. As uh, Mamie goes throughout the, the film... And when I saw the film, I I wrote in my piece uh, that the amount of, I feel like, asking people, like, it's okay to watch this. And I understand yeah. everyone's, you know, 
we're in a very rough time <laughs> and we've seen black people go through some horrendous things and mm -hmm. Emmett Till, a child, which by the way, one thing that Shinohi does so beautifully is that he is a kid in this. He just he make him like kid. perfect angel. Like he's just like, like that's I kept like, he was like a baby. Jalen. Yeah. Like Jalen's a kid. Yeah. He was 14 when we when we made the film. And looked Same age. so much like like it was like yeah. He looked like him and it felt like it, it all that. So <laughs> the action of losing a child is hard for people to process. But we need to walk through this very uncomfortable situation called racial relations in America. Mm -hmm. What are you finding yourself telling people when they, I mean, obviously you told your friends like, oh, I'm, I'm in the movie Till, which on its on itself was like, cool, I'm in a movie. Uh -huh. But then they're like, and then even Mamie Till isn't like a run off your lips name that people are like, oh, I know who that is. They're like, who's Mamie Till? Yeah. You have to explain to them. Yeah. Like, what are you telling people about this film that? Is encouraging for them to seek it out. We can just we we can live in the mother's love, mm. right? We can live in why why she did what she did, and it's not to remain in a trauma. Mm -hmm. She is. This film is seeking to humanize her, to humanize Mamie and the acts that she makes. To humanize her son. And that is a joyful endeavor. Because joy doesn't always look like, hey, that, yeah. like, like we have this falsehood that 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 we're seeking joy, and joy looks like pleasure, and joy looks like happy, and like, like that's mm. not that's not holy in it. It's about doing the thing that um it's our will. What's the true will that you're seeking? Uh um I'm searching, but it's it's in that. I tell people about that. I tell people that it's not. There's no violence on, on on a body on a black body. I, I, I've been I've, I've been telling people like, if that can make a poster that just, pivots that pivots people's minds immediately. Immediately, I've been telling people yeah. like I wish I could make a poster that says you don't see him die. Like literally, that's what. Yeah, I just keep telling people like you don't yeah. see it. Like, and that's usually for people. That's what you don't. Yeah. That's what people are afraid of. Yeah. They're seeing that. They are. They are. I, I mean, I find that to be interesting. You're afraid of seeing that, but you, but we've, you know, inundated ourselves with it in a contemporary um, understanding. So this is about critical care, yeah, and the critical care that Mamie took to 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 care for the wellness and of Emmett's legacy. So we look at how she cared for the legacy of him, you know, in even growing up and when he was alive, what it meant to 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 shift that understanding when he tragically is killed and what she does after that, you know, what the impetus to to, to carry his legacy forward after that and how that shifts her motherhood, her concept of motherhood and the way she applies it to to family and the way she applies it to there in the world. You know, we're watching somebody literally step into their power. That's inspiring for people. Mm. And, and everything that I sit with is knowing that after that New York film festival premiere, uh, the fact we go backstage and we're going to do a kind of spotlight stand um, at the close of the film and we're still and, and we're before we do that, you know, I'm looking at the family, you know, Miss Watts, I'm looking at the, her daughters and they're like, you know, we've seen it before, but we're inspired and we're going to keep fighting. 
Okay, so that's what you need to hear because we're dealing with utter and complete, you know, subjugation. We're dealing with oppressive states in this nation across the globe. And so you you need people to continue to tell you to not remain indifferent. We need people to inspire you to find the energy to continue to fight for what everyone is due. And that's, you know, human rights and the pursuit of a good life. Something you said about, you know, sitting in a mother's love. I'm, first time I saw it, I was, I was taken by how, and this how is many a, times have you seen it? Once, okay. no, two, <laughs> one, <laughs> They're popping in on us uh, like, Friday night. Yeah, no, no, no. But <laughs> um, no, the first time, first time I saw it, I was very taken by how bright the movie is. Mm-hmm, and I mean, from like mm-hmm. when you said love, like it is you relish in her love, but you also relish like like it's. Well, congratulations, Bobby Bukowski. You know how to shoot, shoot a movie, <laughs> exactly. but but also, I have a I have a thing about shooting dark skin on film. Like everyone is lit beautifully, looks beautiful, and it's been a big uh, thing of mine in cinema. So he does it great. So <laughs> looking at it, it's very bright, and it almost is. I, I remember feeling weird coming out, and be like, it was kind of beautiful. Like it was like a beautiful, mm. and you, and it was tragedy, but. I felt I felt the symbolism of that. Like there's light at the end of the darkness. My like, homie said, she said, that's what people miss, right? Like, like, and, and this was I said when I first saw it. I was like, it looks like a life magazine mm-hmm. come to life. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, you can't. You don't live in a binary in this experience. Like black folks in the south, in in the north, whatever in America, were living these fruitful, colorful lives. And then my homie was like, yeah, the South is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's w- what does it mean to have a lynching next to the gloriousness of, of swaying trees? Yeah. You know, um, creating the kind of spaces that Mount Bayou was right. Like prosperity in this way. It's a conundrum. Yeah. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about some of these, uh, Troublesome actors you worked with on this movie. <laughs> very, Who? very troublesome. Which one? <laughs> all of them? <laughs> all, all of them. Uh, like little Jalen Hall, man. My squadron. Like, I'm, I'm ready for his his career. Man, that man is a star. <laughs> he. <laughs> yeah, thank you for saying man. That is a little man. <laughs> He's a little man. He walked around the New York Film Festival party. I was like, this man just walked by me. He's so, he's so charismatic. He's, he's so cool. Swag. You know, but he, he, we, we had a couple of uh, Q and A's after screenings with high school students. Mm-hmm. They don't care about me. <laughs> they do not care about Tanoya. They care about Jalen. Jalen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> um, Whoopi Goldberg. Producer and actors. So listen, I Whoopi means a lot to me in yeah. many ways, yeah. uh, as yeah. she does to all of us. Yeah. Um, such a small role in this movie, but those two scenes. Pivotal. Like that bed scene. Pivotal. Murders me. Uh, second black woman ever to win an acting Oscar for Ghost. She means, like I, I, I followed Academy Awards my entire life. She is a torch carry person for for so, representation for so many. Yeah, man. Um, and she gets to produce this. So legend, legend, utter and complete, and just the most human, the most loving, stepping in in the way, stepping in 
to the set, to the experience, probably in all the time that she's been trying to help usher the film in the way that Alma does, just mm. trying to protect, trying to um, to care in the way that uh, that you want to care for a baby, you know. And the baby was, you know, Mamie, but it's 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 um, and then stepping aside in the way that Mamie stepped aside, you know, <laughs> so that she could mother herself. Yeah. 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 She, uh, I also, I wrote also that's a great reminder to the world. I think a lot of, especially today, people are like, oh, she's host of The View. Like, I, I did a list 10 years ago of my favorite performances in all of cinema. And the top female on that list is Whoopi Goldberg in The Color Purple. Like, she is the torch carrier of like women in acting, all history for me. And she's he, even there's a scene. Yeah, she does my a eyes, she, my eyes are she, just she does a lip, she does a lip press like a mm, uh-huh. that like I was like oh it's my grandmother like I just uh-huh. go, like I saw uh-huh. her so she just it's just a reminder that she's one of our best. she's been here and she's been telling these kinds of stories yeah uh <laughs> who Sean Patrick Thomas man. <laughs> <laughs> that man, <laughs> that man don't uh, age. He, do- <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> age. I you take that beard off. Woo! <laughs> I, 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 I love that he has a little gray to try to give it the, the look Just of someone that aged. Trying to show you someone. But that man looks exactly the same. He, Sean. <laughs> From just day from from auditioning together mm. and day one, he's just been the utter and complete stronghold that made me need it. That I need it. Right. Um, this film doesn't feel the same way without without the community that's around me. And Sean is integral to that. Mm-hmm. He was taking care of Mamie and he was taking care of Danielle, you know, on really, really, really difficult days. But every time he was present, he was um um just foundational to 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 keeping me good and moving forward. Frankie Fajon, another like the one of oh. the, one of our great character actors. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Frankie had me singing gospel songs <laughs> all, all the whole time he was there. We were saying, I won't complain. I remember Paul. That's Danielle Deadweiler, star of Till, now playing in select theaters and opening in wide release on October 28th. After the break, Empire of Light star Michael Ward. From Los Angeles, this is the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Empire of Light is among this year's most divisive films. However, one of the agreed-upon highlights of the film is the quality of the actors' performances. Notably, Oscar winner Olivia Coleman, breakout star Michael Ward, and veteran actor Toby Jones. Ward gives an outstanding performance as a new movie theater employee who forms an unlikely bond with Coleman's ticket taker 
when they find themselves employed at the same small-town cinema. Ward might be unknown to many, but the Jamaican-born has piqued the interests of audiences over the last two years, with smaller roles like in Gina Prince-Bythewood's The Old Guard, his most significant role has come as Franklin in The Beautiful Lover's Rock, one of the five films from Steve McQueen's Amazon Prime Video anthology series, Small Acts. I recently spoke with Ward about his role in Empire of Light and his breakout year that had led him sharing the screen with Coleman and Colin Firth, in addition to working with master cinematographer Roger Deakins. We began by talking about how he first heard about the role. I first heard about it from one of my um, old agents called Bayho. Well, he's not, he, he, wasn't, he was on our team, but he kind of um, reps other people at CAA. And he read the, the screenplay and, and when he read it, he was like, oh, he can't get um, the vision of me out of this character, Steven. Um, so I was like, then I've got to read a script, bro. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And then eventually I got the script, read it. And I was like, yeah, this is gonna be, this is gonna be mad, you know? And obviously I knew he was involved at the time. Like, at the time that I was reading it, you know, Sam already um, kind of attached Olivia and he- I Olivia was already on board. So, yeah, well, so he wrote so no, yeah, yeah, the Yeah, so hold on. So you're reading a script and you're like, Academy Award winner, Olivia yeah. Coleman. And Roger Deakins. And well. Roger Deakins. So shooting. those were the three people involved. Jesus. Like when I, when I first, first read it and I was just like, yeah, no, this would be mad. It's just a, it puts you into a kind of a different, um, category you know what i mean um and i'd never worked with people like that before so i was super excited so um after i read the script and loved the story um i had a meeting with sam but it ended up becoming like a catch-up because the last time i saw him um was at the baftas when i when i won my rising star award yeah. and he won um his awards for 1917 and then um, we, we were just catching up because obviously since then i came to la and i went back to london and it was lockdown, you know? So we were just catching up about the whole time. And to be honest, like even in within that catch up, it made me realize, well, he was basically saying COVID had a big part to play in him even telling this story. So it was kind of full circle. And then it kind of just led into, you know, talking about the script, why he made it um, uh, and, and why he wanted to sit down with me, you know? He really just um, wanted the script to go out to some like, you know, black creatives so mm -hmm. that they can um, kind of, you know, advise him about the, you know, the racial undertone in the, in the film or the racial theme within the film. Um, and yeah, so he was just asking me loads of questions that, like, you know, how did I feel about it? Um, what would I like to see in there? What wouldn't I like to see in there? Um, what resonated with me? Like those kind of questions and really just like, understanding the script. So even from then, I just realized he was like really collaborative. You yeah. get what I'm trying to say? And I just love that because this is like you said, you know, one of the most revered directors. And I'm thinking, right, like if he's asking me these kind of questions, <laughs> you know, it just makes me feel a part of something, even though I didn't even have the role. Yeah. And then we we read Nina Gold came and then and then we read um, the scenes, a couple of the audition scenes. Um, and then I just left and, and then, yeah, man, I didn't really think nothing of it um, because then the audition went out to everyone. And I started helping my little brother, <laughs> not my real little brother, my TV little brother um, audition. I started helping my boys audition. Um, Cause I was just thinking if I don't get it, like, you know, I'd love Someone for else. them to, I'd love for one of my people to to um, get the role, you know what I mean? So I was helping them with all the stuff that like me and Sam spoke about and the stuff that he said that he'd like to see from the character, giving them all of these like yeah. notes and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like after a while, you know, they, they call me back in for a recall. But I was thinking, right, if they went out to everyone already, that means they didn't want to see me. But anyway, call me back in for a recall. Um, I'd done that and that went really well. Um, 
Yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a good process. But then I needed to do a chemistry with Olivia, which couldn't happen because I was filming something. Then I came back and then I was going away again to film something. And Olivia was filming something and she was moving, going to Ireland to film something else. So we couldn't get together. And she done a chemistry with um, an actor that I know. So I was just really stressing at this yeah. point, like you're thinking like, you know, I just want to get in the room with her. Cause I know if Sam sees us together, then It'll be know, okay. it's, it's undeniable. You get what I'm saying? Um, but then it was just, wasn't able to happen. And then Sam kind of called me in again for like this last um, meeting. And I was just thinking, what's the point? Like we've done this so many times, but it was, it for me, that was the the best time because I, I, I came a bit more prepared um, I was always prepared, but like, you know, this time, the last one, it was like, I knew more about the character. I've yeah. read it a few times now. So I was a lot more relaxed. And at, and at this stage, I was just thinking, you know what, if I get it, I get it. And if I don't, I've just enjoyed this because the, the auditions weren't like a normal audition. Yeah. It was proper like workshopping, it would like be stopping you and, and, st and stuff. It was becoming like a learning process Yeah, now. and I was just like, yeah. you know what, in this process, I've learned so much already from Sam that no matter what happens, I've already won. Do you get what I'm saying? So um, yeah, literally, um, ended up coming in for this um, last audition and it just went, that's when I realized, yeah, no, nah, this is it. You know, it just went so well. Like you I knew it. Excited. Like you, yeah, felt, you just felt, felt it. it. You know what yeah. I mean? But I feel like everyone feels it sometimes. And sometimes even when you, you feel it and you know that you've killed it and the director loves you, it's just something just isn't right. But I just knew for me personally and, um, I just knew that I was meant to play Steven. You get what I'm trying to say? It yeah. was just, uh, it was just so important, um, to all of us, but yeah, kind of left there. And then I, I went to Rome to go start filming this film. And Sam gave me a call and just said, like, would I would I like to to, to be in a be in a movie? And you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I literally screamed and I was <laughs> running around my hotel room, just gassed. But yeah, man, it was a great, it was a great process, like I said, and, and we just had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, and didn't try to kind of take it too deeply in case I didn't get the role, but just trying to in, like, you know, I keep saying it, but just enjoy it as much as possible. And it, and that like, yeah, just taking the experience. That's awesome. So, um, tell me about working with Olivia on set. So like, obviously you guys get to set and you guys have some really intense scenes, uh, together, both physically and from, I, I, I without, I'm not going to give spoilers, but like the apartment scene in yeah. particular, where you just have to like watch her yeah. unleash. <laughs> um, tell me about where were you? intimidated at all or how did you find your way with those or were you nervous to you know you know you're supposed to have these tender scenes with olivia coleman and yeah. you're a lucky um, dude <laughs> <laughs> very lucky yeah. i guess um i feel like for me personally it was it wasn't a, a thing of being intimidated i just I was I was more like the, the excitement of being on a set like that and just working with these people kind of overshadowed any other feeling you know obviously i feel like if you're not getting nervous you know it's like what's the point of doing something that you, you get what i mean you're supposed i feel like you're supposed to always feel that little sense of nervousness when you head into a process otherwise that means you're just comfortable yeah. um and if you're comfortable you're not really learning anything um or gaining anything and for me i was a little bit nervous i wasn't like you know nervous to the point where you know i'm sweating and stuff mm -hmm. like that um but you know i just wanted to just do Steven justice um, first and foremost and let and allow Olivia to feel like she can 
you know, fly as well. You know, I didn't want to feel like I was ever restricting her or restricting an idea of a scene and, and stuff like that for Sam as well, you know, and blocking ideas. You know, I was always open um, to, to the ideas that Sam threw and also just asking a lot of questions to make everyone just feel like, you know, I'm really here and I'm present and I'm, I'm also, you know, um, I'm also great, you know what I'm trying to say? So I feel like that was kind of the, the 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 process for me um in terms of with olivia like the intimate scenes for me i was not really worried about because obviously it's something that we would we knew when i was reading it you know what i mean but olivia was so nervous you know what i'm trying to say like so it started making me a bit nervous like, i'm thinking <laughs> damn like this is going to be hard because she's just like you know she don't she don't think she can do it and then the intimacy coordinator came in and he told brian and she just made us feel so relaxed. It was that basically making making it into a dance, you know, we had counts and stuff like that. And, you know, I felt like that just made everything a lot more easier and chilled. And then once Olivia kind of settled into it for me, it allowed me to like relax now and just be able to focus on the actual scene and mm -hmm. focus on, you know, their, Stephen and Hillary's relationship. Um, in terms of like, you know, the scenes even when I'm just watching her and stuff like that, it really was, this that this weird kind of feeling of watching her as Steven, you know, and seeing this woman kind of um, deteriorating in front of you, but also watching her as Michael and thinking, fucking hell, like this, yeah. <laughs> this woman is, is actually incredible. Like, yeah. you get what I'm saying? How she's able to do this, you know, um, for me, I haven't seen that, you know, I haven't really worked with people that have had to go to a certain place yet. Um, so yeah, it was nice to, to witness this and, yeah, man, it was just nice to work with her because she's so giving as well. She always like, yeah. you know, made me feel um, there and present, you know what I'm trying to say, doing what she can to always make it feel real. And when I approach work and stuff like that, I always just want it to feel truthful and authentic mm. um, to the time period and also to the character. Um, but, you know, I've done a lot of work on, on this character, to be honest with you, my acting coach, Gary Nurse, who's an incredible man and, you know, like we we just work so much in terms of like just finding the 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 physicality of Stephen, finding the personality of Stephen. This is stuff that people kind of don't really think about in terms of like a personality for a character. Yeah. You know, there's just so many ways that you can play things, but if you have a certain personality, and obviously we're all like, you know, we all switch and move different in different situations, but it's also understanding that and acknowledging that. And I feel like that's the first time I really kind of understood that in terms of with a character, because with the characters that I've played so far, it's always been based off people that I really feel like I know, you know what I mean? Like with Jamie, like, you know, I'm, I'm from that world, so it's easier. With um, Franklin, who I played in um, Lover's Rock, you know, it's like a Jamaican man that, I've got loads of Jamaican uh, men that, you know, I look up to and that are in my life. So it's like just basically basing my characters of people that I know and that, that I can kind of, you know, connect with or, or have connected with. But with Steven, I didn't really know a Steven. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So it was like, even when, when he, he he walks in and um and he's like, oh, um that's, that popcorn smells good. Mm -hmm. You never mm -hmm. tempted yeah. to sneak a handful. It's like, when when um, Hillary kind of shuts him down, I remember the first time I went into that scene, I'd, I'd always like played it like, you know, like this this kid and he's like, oh no, I'm so sorry. But it was like, 
You know, it's, he's just, it's his first day and he's jo enjoying and it's like thinking about other ideas instead of always going down, you know, a certain um, route of acting. Yeah. But finding him through, like throughout the course of the film so that it didn't ever feel disjointed or disconnected and just mm -hmm. felt like a, a seamless kind of, of character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, me and Gary done a lot of work trying to find that. That's Michael Ward, star of Empire of Light, which hits theaters on December 9th. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.